Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Doctor Supercoach Podcast. You're on again this week with JB, who has been joined by the illustrious Pistol. Pistol Pistolson, how are you, mate? <laughs> I'm feeling good for the run home here. I managed to score 17.37. I think I just pipped you this week. Oh, um, I said, how are you? I didn't, I didn't say, can you how rub in I, your team? How am I... Mind? It's directly related to me beating you in Supercoach. So, so you can tell that I'm good based on yep. <laughs> on on that. But yeah, it, um, it didn't all go to plan this round, but it was enough. I saw my rank rise to 283, which is only 16 places higher than when I started the buy. So a bit of a disappointing buy round for myself this year, I guess from my own standards, but... I mean, specifically because I didn't cop any donuts and I had a lot of players every round. I just didn't score particularly well. But, you know, it's a run home. My team's looking in pretty good shape. And, yeah, if I can manage to get through the rest of the season somewhat unscathed because, you know, injuries are coming left, right and center for my team at the moment, um, yeah, I'll be, a, I'll be a happy chappy. Good. Well, it sounds like your buy rounds overall were at least not unsuccessful, which is, I yeah. suppose, a success in and of itself because... Um, as we know, a lot of players who don't plan for the buy rounds have super unsuccessful weeks and um, end up going heavily down in the rankings. I didn't. I, I was looking like I was going to. I reached my max ranking for the season of 1,800 last week. Uh, sorry, week before last. Uh, and then all the bad sideways fixer-up trades and downgrades that I had to do to get my team in a position to excel through the last couple of weeks um, paid off. I halved that rank from 1,800 to 950 this week. So I'm back in the top 1K. I've 
not had a lucky season, I think is probably the best way to put it. Um, so to be back in the top 1K, I think I've shown a lot of resilience with this year um, considering what's happened. So overall... Yeah, but on your on your run home, JB, how, how's your team looking in terms of like how many primos do you have left to get to full premium and how many trades do you have? I think you're in not a too bad of a shape. Yeah, so I'll get to... I'll have two trades remaining at full premium, which I think is probably dead on par. Um, but like actually premiums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I need to get two more premiums into my side. One will be Shea Bolton this week, the trades I've already done. Uh, and the other one will be Dangerfield, which I should be able to get, should have been able to get next week. Um, but that was counting on another 30K from Lockie Jones. So I might have to wait an extra week for that. But um, overall, pretty good full premium team. I'm not missing many of the big hitters, just enough that I'm not going to uh, go bananas on the run home. But I should hopefully hold my top 1,000 rank. Um, which is kind of a miracle from where I've come from so far this season. So it's been a roller coaster. Um, did you did you get your um, opportunity to watch a lot of football this weekend? I did. I watched most of the games as I was in a, a little bit of self isolation this weekend. So I managed to watch a lot of the football. But yeah, uh, particularly I think the the Hawthorne game um, on Monday was extremely fun it, it was you know it was really fun to watch uh stringer dominate just seeing you know the package well pistol you wouldn't believe it but you've stumbled into my trap <laughs> the segue i was looking for the package oh no speaking <laughs> of the package pistol oh this podcast that's is good. sponsored by manscaped that's their good perf- that's very good <laughs> their performance package which is the segue comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, Ear and Nose Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag pistol for yourself, considering you tend to go in and out of the state so often. Don't get cold feet this winter and protect your Sharons with 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code DRSC. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code DRSC. So have you used much from the performance package pistol? I know you're a customer yourself. <laughs> I am. I have used the uh, 3.0 lawnmower. I specifically really enjoy the light. I didn't realize what I was missing by not having a light before, but it's nice and bright and it definitely helps. It's one of those underrated things, kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have any of Chizo's fantastic puns. No, but neither of us do. Good. That's why we need the, uh, the, the dodgy segue. Um, performance boxer briefs, no, my, my favorite of the, the performance package. So um, excellent. Get around it. So Manscaped, thank you very much for the sponsorship. And with that, I've got some Patreon shout outs that I need to get through. So we've got a lot this week. It is coming up to the cup week. So it tends to be some of our busiest times. So we've had in the last week, Cameron Lamb sign up, Josh H, Adam Watson, Michael, Luke Reschke, that's that's a guess, um, Red, Tim, <laughs> Phil, <laughs> <It's getting easier. laughs> I, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Tim, sorry if I didn't, um, Hung Noyan, Nathan Freeling, Nat Stroh, Roger Marshall, Sam Kent, 
and Cameron Nickel. So thank you to all our new sign-ups on Patreon. And um, we have just the one position remaining for the cup pistol. So that's probably going to fill up maybe by the time this podcast is out. So thank you for everyone for filling up that bracket. It's going to be a really fun and interesting time. Um, there obviously won't be any more people added to the cup um, as it overcomplicates things. So we have a cutoff this year. And that is essentially it for the Patreon sign out. So Cancer Council, I think, is next, Pistol. Yes, and if you're not interested in the Cancer Council, firstly, that sounds like a rough sentence to say out loud, but <laughs> um, there are quite a few donations because it was around 14 and a lot of people cop donuts. So if you would like to skip forward five minutes or so, it's going to take that long to go through them. Um, but nonetheless, here we go. So first up, we've got Steve Rivelin. Thank you very much for your generous donation. He's donating for three donuts in round 14. Says, a tough lesson in poor planning, unexpected fixture changes, injuries, and suspensions. Get on the Tracy train. So thank you very much again, Steve. The commissioner has written... Oh man, I really should have pre-read this, but here goes. It says, Chizo, four minutes ago, no late changes, and then... The commissioner says, proceeds to share the late changes. And then Chizo says, that's for the wrong game. And then he's donated, I guess, for dumb things, but it just doesn't really translate well to a podcast. Nice. Good, good by you, um, And then he said, I'm also denning for one time I made a bad joke in game day chat, which I think, I don't know what that is, but I feel like we should move on. GM, thank you very much for your donation as well. We've got here Michael Gunner. Thank you. Zorko and Richmond too. Who needs a full team in round 14? We all bloody do. So thanks, Gunner, for that generous donation. Truck the Alan Ezard says, seriously, if Connor Nash is getting picked as a medical sub <laughs> over Tyler Brockman, we know young Tyler is not getting another game this season. You're killing us, Clarko. I feel you there. Truck Butler has donated and he says, managed to get down to just the one donut. However, Duke Nukem is doing a good impersonation of one. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit rough. Uh, Luke Trawane <laughs> has donated saying bye, bye, byes. It's a little bit of... Um, uh, wordplay. I appreciate that. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a song as well, I guess. If you, I wasn't going to break out into any song and dance, Who's, but who sings I consider it for a a brief, a brief moment here. Bexico says wow, a donation okay. for Zorko being a flog and getting himself suspended for most important week of the year while having the best fixture. He would have feasted against North Melbourne, no doubt about that. Warren Gordon, first donation for donuts for the year, but four of them, wowee. So thank you for your generous donation for all those donuts. Appreciate it. Rabs as well. Richmond game moving wrecked my whole buy plans. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, Dimasty says asterisk season. I disagree, Dimasty. <laughs> It's not. So, yeah, thank you for your donation. Steve says, 16 on field by choice, but happy to donate given the great advice and banter in the group. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your donation. JP, thank you for your donation. Gibbo says, happy to donate twice now that I don't have to have Clangford in my team. Sorry you didn't take the advice you gave me, Chiso. So it's a generous donation from Gibbo. I guess it doesn't matter so much if he wins a 50K. Jason says, donating for two Krispy Kremes. Thank you. And go Crom, five donuts for me this week, enough to feature in a Simpsons episode. Also an extra donation from me for the help you guys gave me, aka not to burn on my trades. Little did he know, JB, that we only said that so he'd have to donate more to the Cancer Council this week. So appreciate the large donation. AFL Obsessed Rosanna says, 
Lasai, we don't have to talk about it, guys. Donut, donut. But we're glad we're now through the buys. I think we're all glad. Thank you for your donation. Uh, Tookie and Toby says, joint donation, we're lurking. Don't worry. <laughs> Appreciate that, Tookie and Toby. <laughs> Pommy says, oh, sorry. Having a moment. Pommy, <laughs> yeah. Tommy says, donate for round 14 donut. Don't blame me, blame Waterman. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate it as well. Ruben Brooks managed 17 on field with a Reeves donut. Thanks, Ruben, for donation. ZP says, I'm always saying draft is better than classic. Thank you very much for your generous donation, ZP. And a wedge has donated for the first donut of the year. Also forgot to take the VC of McRae and put it on Lions after reversing my trades for the 800th time before Friday's game. Left me stuck with Kelly's score. That can get a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I actively made McRae my VC and then Kelly captain, and he did it by accident. So I don't know how that makes didn't, me didn't feel. Didn't you trade in Jared Lyons? <laughs> yes, I did. Weird that you'd then just ignore him as the good vice captaincy option or captaincy option that he was. I mean, I feel like Kelly was on for a big one if he hadn't hurt his ankle. To play like half, I don't know, with like one leg and still ton up. It's pretty good effort. Could have been horrible though. Boy, was I sweating. Real sweat. Uh, Before we dive into the podcast after our 40-minute already discussion on non-podcast related things, um, I just wanted to quickly shout out the leagues. um, 10 out of the top 10 um, a Dr. Supercoach League, so it doesn't get much better than that at a we strike ratio. Um, excellent, amazing. Uh, well, obviously, 90% of those people are in Slack and, and chatting with us every single day, so we appreciate them a lot. And uh, just a quick shout-out to our numbers um, in the rankings. It's too hard to do person by person. I remember, you, like, I think probably two years ago, um, if someone got into the top 100, they were half a chance to get a shout-out on the podcast now, Pistol, we have six of the top 10 <laughs> members, 10 of the top 20, 15 of the top 31, 28 of the top 96, 53 of the top 197. And this one sort of surprises me the most. So in our first year um, doing Patreon, we said, or I said, 100 patrons would be an incredible sign-up ratio. And to the laughter of both you gentlemen, um, yourself and Chizo, you guys had lower um, more humble expectations of how far I would go in year one. Yep. Um, if you had told me that we'd get 101 players in the top 497, 92 even, um, I think I would have laughed at you guys. That is incredible. We, we'd not only have over 100 patrons, but over 100 in the top 500. Um, so that's, that's unbelievable to think about. So congratulations to all the coaches out there having an amazing season, all in my opinion, a chance for money um, of those top 100 of those 101 patrons. So, good luck in the run home, gentlemen. So, and ladies, obviously, M especially is definitely in the hunt for the money. So, uh, that will that will do the the lofty sign in that is our podcast now. Um, and believe it or not, we have some super coach topics to discuss. I think I'm going to get straight into it. We're going to discuss... <laughs> straight into it after 13 and a half minutes. <laughs> straight into <laughs> the, the topic of... Okay, anyway. Um, we're going to pretty much go line by line. It's kind of upgrade season for 
probably the last or second to last time for all the teams out there. Um, and there are a few decisions to make if you need a forward, if you need a midfielder, or um, if you're strange and, and you need a defender for some reason. Um, we're just going to flick through some of the better options. It's going to be the guts of the podcast um, along with a, a bit of rookie chat. So um, there's just not a whole lot to deconstruct this week with a lack of injuries, thank God. Um, so firstly, I think the spearheading the forward um, selections, I think there's a genuine discussion between Shea and Patrick Dangerfield, both um, lowly owned players uh, in the grand scheme of things with their potential, both at a decent price um, and both with the potential to outscore the other um, in the run home. So I just want to get your take on this one quickly. A lot of people filling up that sixth forward slot with one of these two remaining players. So this is an interesting talking point because I strongly believe that my answer would change in like a fortnight. But the problem is, depends who you're upgrading from, right? Because if you have like an MP and you're doing like an MP upgrade as your final forward and you're like, okay, I have to get, you know, either Dangerfield this week or Bolton this week, that's very different than if you have a rookie at F6, so like a Waitman, and you're like, okay, I'm upgrading Waitman this week to Bolton or a Dangerfield because you can kind of get away with potentially holding MP for another week or whatever it is, but you can't really get away with holding Waitman another week if you're going purely for points okay, c- on Can field. I simplify it for you? Yeah, sure. Like, let's just say for whatever reason, the person upgrading is dead set on doing their upgrade this week. They want to get full premium. We're talking to 101 of the top 500 guys going for money this year. So um, of of the two guys this week, let's just... Otherwise, <laughs> like we, we if we start factoring in too much, it might get a little bit murky between team to team. I mean, I think you have to... Yeah, I've, I've got an answer, but I will say there's there's plenty of factors at play in the decision but if you want to go from a purely points-based perspective from round 15 to round 23 i think bolton will outscore dangerfield and that's because of dangerfield's returning from an injury and i don't believe he is at full fitness or peak fitness or peak scoring potential yet and after watching him in these first two weeks i would be afraid that he still doesn't reach that in another fortnight and that might just be the difference between them given you know, Bolton's going to be playing St Kilda and Gold Coast and Collingwood in the next three, which are potentially the three most out-of-form sides in the whole AFL. So that's, you know, big point scoring potential there for Bolton. And I know Dangerfield's got a decent draw himself, but he's not quite there yet for me. I think he was relatively lucky in that it's a close game so there's a lot of scaling on the line because with five minutes to go he was on 75 had a massive five minutes ended up on you know 96 or whatever he got and that very really could have just been in a normal game another 75 score and kept coming off you know at 66 the week before I think it'll still take him a fortnight to get going I wouldn't expect a big score against Brisbane maybe against Carlton the week after but by that stage if Bolton already gets you know a 30 or 40 point head start, he might be a bit hard to catch with only you know nine games then remaining. Okay, I, I disagree. I think from what I what I saw from Dangerfield um, this week, he's obviously growing as the game goes and as the weeks pass. Um, his best is better than Shea's best 
and from a super coach perspective, they're both obviously incredible players. And with Shea spending still significant time forward and scoring well from it, I just think his ceiling is slightly capped with, with the big scores that he puts on the board, whereas Dangerfield in the run home could score ridiculous 130-plus games um, here or there. So I, I just think no matter what lead Shea gets on him in the next fortnight, Dangerfield will chase it down most likely. And he would be the one guy that I'm targeting to finish the year, especially if I was in any sort of money league and, and he was looking like a point of difference or if I was in a chance for the money in the top 500. Um, I just think Dangerfield's going to be way more essential than Shea. And um, as we saw two weeks ago with Shea, even in a, a win from Richmond and you know I think he had four odd scoring shots and, and fluffed them, which he usually doesn't do, so he, he should have scored more. But he's still prone to 90s and, and 80s so even if Dangerfield does score another 80 Shea could also just score another 80 just with bad luck or just bad like set shot scoring on the day whatever it might be I, I just think Dangerfield's ability and his ceiling um, in the latter half of the season is, is enough to make me say that he will be essential whereas Shea will be extremely good but not as essential as Dangerfield I think based on what we've seen from the current form of the players, Dangerfield looks way more likely to put out an 80 than Shea because I don't think for, he's... For the next week or so, I agree, but he's not going to be out yeah. of fitness for the remainder of the season. It's Patrick Dangerfield. But this is where this is where it's important of who you're upgrading because Impey for two weeks and then Dangerfield probably does outscore Shea. But if it's Waitman for two weeks and Dangerfield, I don't think that... I think I'm doing that Impey to Dangerfield this week anyway. If I if I was in that position no. where where I'm chasing rank, especially I think is the main people that we're targeting with this. Um, I think MP is as likely to score a sub eighty score than what Dangerfield is this week, and then from then on, it, it heavily heavily weighs in the favor of Dangerfield, and this week even I, I think I think it could even weigh in the, in the favor of Dangerfield. I mean, if you've got the cash, but most people still need to take money into account. And if you wait one more week, it's going to be like a 30k it swing. Will, it will so. be cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. This is, I'm, I'm more talking if, if it's your last upgrade or um, your second to last upgrade with your last one, depending on, I don't know, CCJ putting out a couple. The 30k? <laughs> yeah. No, no not, not specifically 30k, but you need a rookie to mature for another week or two before you can make that last upgrade, regardless of what you do this week. Um, uh, I just, I think it's, I think Dangerfield is good enough that from this week onwards, he will out-average Shea and obviously MP, but yeah, that's not the discussion. It's more the one-week wait, but obviously the money is important and, and the money is a factor and it's going to be there this week, the 30K swing. But if you don't have to wait, then I don't see why you would. Like we're not waiting for MP to be a premium for the rest of the season. Do you think MP has a chance of being a premium for the rest of the season? While I've got you, no, I don't. I liked his role, and it's something we discussed in our Slack. And I'm not sure if we mentioned on the podcast before. I feel like we would have. Is that he seems to score well on the larger grounds, yeah. and you know he played on another ground that's similar dimensions to the MCG, and he looked fantastic except his next two games are at smaller grounds. So I'm not expecting 
two big scores in his next two. And I know he plays a lot of games towards the end of the year on bigger ground, so it's not like a bad hold where I like feel super bad about it. I feel like there's definitely worse things that could happen in my team, like not finishing other positions. But I just feel like the upgrade for Bolton or Dangerfield is just going to be relatively significant. So it's all about the timing of when to jump across and... Yeah, I, I I do worry that jumping on danger. Well, he's he plays one one good quarter in both matches so far. Like it's just not enough for me to. I need I need to see more. I'm definitely I don't want to go too early on Dangerfield. Yeah, I mean I understand your skepticism, um, but I, I suppose I want you to understand some people's urgency in making the last upgrade and and who will be better from here on out as well. Um, if you have to get a Dangerfield 75 this week to get a Dangerfield 105 to 110 for the rest of the year, I, I, that's, I think that's genuinely okay, like more than okay. Um, whereas MP, Yeah, that's fine. If it's your final upgrade, yeah, uh, it, okay, I, then, it's, then it doesn't really if matter. If MP Cash scored sub-75 this week, I personally wouldn't be surprised. Some people, I think, would. Um, but he, he relied heavily on that first quarter and the weekend just gone... Um, I think he scored about 55 points for the remaining three quarters, which uh, is fine. Which didn't score in the last. Basically. Yeah, essentially didn't score in the last, <laughs> which is which is okay um, because he has the ability to score in, big in, in specific quarters. But I, I just think it's a matter of time again before he strings a four-quarter poor performance before a four-quarter good performance. Um, just because of the, the factors in that back line, Scrimshaw and Day just being able to do what he does as well, if not better. So I just think it's a matter of time before you're up ship creek with without a paddle. So, No, that's fair enough. And what about the people that plan to loophole him and CCJ? Do you think you can kind of get away with it by, by doing that method? I think those people... What, waiting for Dangerfield to trade into or for the rest of the season? Not waiting, just they don't have the trades uh, I mean if you to, don't have the do trades you don't have the trades that's not going to change by me saying I think it's a terrible position to be in because Fair it enough. is but if you're in that position it's for a reason um, so I'm not going to endorse people to put themselves there but at the end of the day sometimes you just got to do what you got to do so it could be worse no that that's understandable and how, what about now that we've had another week of data and now we've got available at our fingertips all of the forwards not just Bolton and Dangerfield did anything change that you saw this week I mean any round 14 players that potentially come into play and we guess Bolton again um, where you might consider bringing them into your team yeah I mean I know Dusty has a high ownership 67% but 33% of people don't own one of the safest 90 plus averages um, so I obviously think he's uh, at a juicy price as well, 472k. If people are willing to cough up for the Hawkins and the Bailey Dales of the world, I think Dustin Martin um, is far from a stretch to, to be a good trading option for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. I think they they gone just a generally a good run for the rest of the season, don't they? I think they have they have Geelong and Brisbane. They Besides do. that, they don't have... Well, is GWS in the top eight? At the yeah, they're both, no, they're not. Both Geelong and Richmond have really good draws yeah. to end the season. Yeah, so if you don't have Dustin Martin, if you're one of the 33% of coaches who don't have him, I think he's an excellent pick. Shea, obviously, Dangerfield, obviously. Besides that, I'm struggling to think of people immediately that come to mind as I'm having a look through. Do you have? Did you have anyone in mind asking the question? Or I didn't. I did want to see if Dixon changed your mind at all because he was 
fantastic again yeah. now with a five round average of 111 and he wasn't really in the conversation as much as like Hawkins or Bailey Dale I'm just wondering if you would put him maybe above Langford now um, it's tough I they've got a good run <laughs> they've got a good run Brisbane's got a yeah, good run we've, All these we've known about Port's run um, that's why we sort of suggested waiting on Butters and getting him after the bye um, because of Port's run after their bye yeah um yeah, they do have a good run. I think Charlie's fine. Uh, I still think Tom Hawkins is better, and he's now 2K cheaper. Um, I still think Bailey Dale's better, and he's 24K cheaper. Uh, I think Dixon's fine. I think he's better than Lankford for 20K difference, but not to the point where I'm ignoring other options. I think there are six better players that you'd rather finish your forward line with than Charlie Dixon. And he's he's gone up 40K, so he's not 480 anymore. He's 520, so it just makes it tougher. For people that went him last week, though, very brave and a very good punt that's paid off for them. So congratulations to them. I think Toby Green's the other one that might have changed a few minds. Um, n- not ours. We I suppose we always expected him to score well against um, Carlton, but he has Hawthorne, Gold Coast, Sydney, Essendon, like these guys in the run home finishes off with Carlton uh, in round 23. He does have a few tougher games in there like Melbourne, Geelong and Richmond and Port Adelaide, but um, he could come home well. I think it's just for us the the injury risk and um, the suspension risk. Suspension. I mean, he got a fine this week. He got suspended yeah, already. He did. Um, <laughs> but when he's up and about, his scoring is, it's he's 470K. He's probably the best option now around his price. Um, now that everyone's sort of gone up a bit. So I think there's a couple more I just want to throw in the ring, I guess. Yep. Um, side bottom wasn't an option because of the buy. I, I like him probably more than Langford. Yes, more now, than Langford. But yep. not more than the other guys. Not more than Green. That you'd not, spoken not about. Not more than Dixon. Not more than... Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Hawkins. Dusty, obviously. Uh, I think that's fair. <laughs> I feel like now if you need that, if, if, you're, if you've run out of money and you need a complete punt for the rest of the season uh you could probably look at taking a risk with like a degoey type i know it's 370k it's far from ideal but if i had to pick between degoey and cameron uh, i mean geelong's draw i probably would still take cameron but he's a bit more expensive now because he's rocketed up in price but i feel like collingwood don't have the personnel to to play in the midfield so degoey will probably just play in the midfield you know, for, for as far as the eye can what see. What about Connor Rosie? What, what, do you, what do you assess his chances of making at least a salvageable effort on the on the season's average? Um, he's I'll read, I'll read yeah. out a couple of scores. So his last two have been 126 against Geelong and 94 against Gold Coast. Um, he he hadn't kicked I think a goal for many many weeks prior to the last couple of games. Now Robbie Gray's out as well. He's going to be a focal point of the forward line. Um, the Rizzo's missing yep. at least one more week as well. And that, like, he, like we've said, his run home is actually pretty good. Um, is, is he a chance? It's not a bad shout. I, I actually, I'm pretty fence city between him and Dioi on the run home. I like I like Port's fixtures and I like how he plays in the better side. But I do feel like the reliance on Dugowie is just going to be so heavy. Where do you think he plays with the new coach, I think it'll, uh, my gut feel is it's make or break kind of. He's going to be played in the midfield every game for the rest of the season. And he just needs to kind of make it work yep. because I don't think Collingwood's going to be too happy if they've paid you know X amount, expensive amount for a forward, an inconsistent forward 
that you know doesn't provide four chord efforts. I think he needs to evolve into a stringer type. It's weird of a sentence yeah. as that might be, yeah. or a dusty type. I know that hate those comparisons because he's not it's a large jump to dusty in from the same. Where he is, but yeah, it's I, I know an what you mean. enormous. But he needs to make the jump, right? Like he's he needs to kind of bridge that gap now. So I feel like this now, as Collingwood moving forward, we've got nothing really to play for. I think it's just going to be trying you know, development purposes. I think he might be someone that gets a go. This won't, um, this won't help last... anyone, sorry, but you, you've you gone with yep. to go in that comparison. I'm going to go with Rosie. Let's yep. just chalk it up to the, the teams that we support, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I, I think both are really like throw at the stumps type of actions. And I think Jeremy yep. Cameron is of that same mold. So if you were in a position where you had to pick of the three, then good luck. I don't envy you, but... Um, essentially, you can make just you can make arguments for or against all of them. So, for sure, and I guess I mean Taron Thomas seems to be mentioned every other podcast in that same mold. It kind of just peppers the ninety mark anyway. Yep. Um, JB, did you have any concerns over Bailey Dale's forward role on the weekend? I mean, Duray was back and seemingly dominated from the back line and looked really, really good. Um, are you worried moving By forward? By the way, Duray three hundred and eighty k forward as well. Um, He's a yeah, huh. yeah, he's a defender forward. His last two games, he 112 and so 98. Good. So he could also be in the discussion. I don't... Yeah, I mean, I, it was so weird watching him play because I'm like, man, he looks good. Yeah, and he took, like he he took some so kick outs as well. I'm not concerned with Bailey Dale. Um, I think of all the players that the conditions didn't suit, um, he was probably the biggest um, one that, that got affected. And then throwing forward with a Norton injury, they, they needed something forward. He obviously is a forward or was a forward um, before the season. Yeah, I think he almost led their goal kicking last year or the year before. So um, it, it was just to throw out the stumps from Bevo. I, I think it all is well in future with his role and, and how he's going to play. I wouldn't be trading him in if, if I was looking to get a forward option now. I think... Um, most have surpassed him just for that risk alone. But for those that traded him in, I, I, I'm one of them. I've had him for two weeks now. Um, I'm, I'm not concerned at all. I think it's fine. Yeah. I I, I don't know. <laughs> As in, I don't have massive concerns that I, I'd still pick him over a Langford. I just don't know. I mean, it might be a bit too much now that I'm a bit worried. I mean, it's a bit um, much for can everyone. Can I change my answer yeah. to DeRay over, like, like Dugowie? Because DeRay's... You can, but I'm still really backing good. in, Rosie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Thought we just wanted to make that okay. clear. Um, anyway, yeah, no, that was a long forward discussion. I think um, we hopefully made it clear for some people who might be still deciding on their last forward. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you another question and I want you to answer as biased as possible. Um, okay. Scott Pendlebury. Yes. He's had a good two weeks now, I think. Um, yes. This week, he sorry, he's just coming off the bye, but the, the previous week against Melbourne, he obviously scored huge, 167. Prior to that, 108. Prior to that, he'd had about six scores of really poor... I'm injured, I'm mm. playing half back, I'm playing half forward, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but he started the season fine. He had four tons out of the first six games. Um, the other two games were, so even out of the first seven games, because the other three games, they're um, all 87 plus. 
um, two of them in the 90s. It was just that little period where he scored a 43 against Port, a 50 against Geelong. Um, he hit rock bottom. He went under three, 400k. He went to 382. He's now made 40k. He has a negative break even of negative 29 at 424k price. Um, is he going to keep getting midfield minutes under the new coach? Is he going to get pushed out by the new coach? Um, your run home isn't particularly amazing, but it's also not bad. Mm. What, what happens with Scott Penderbury? It's a good question. I'm glad you touched him because he's very cheap, 424k, and I know people are desperate for a cheap M8. I do want to say when he had that patch of poor games four weeks in a row, he played two of them, I believe, at half forward and two of them at half back. It came out, I think, last week that he said he moved to the half forward line because he had an injury and he was just trying to be protected in those games, so they put him at half forward. They moved him to half back um, as well, and now he played, being played in the midfield the last two games and looked really good. It's a bit... The problem with Collingwood at the moment is we don't have much leadership on field. We don't have... We, we kind of need Pendlebury. Same reason that I said to go, he had to play in the midfield. We kind of need Pendlebury to play in the midfield as well. We just don't have the midfielders and resources to be able to have all these different players running now the midfield like they, we don't have enough good enough midfielders I should say yeah. so with Adams out I think there's no doubt Pendlebury will play in the midfield when Adams comes back it's possible that Pendlebury could be shifted around but I personally don't think so I mean he's an absolute club le- legend we need the leadership all over the ground and the thing is when he plays midfield he just scores well like it, he doesn't even do much and he still scores a ton so there's plenty of worse options at 424k. Like that's really cheap for somebody that could average 100 for the rest of the season. Ridiculously so, cheap. I just think it's it's a worth it's a worthwhile pick at that price if you're looking at not completing your side and you need this to to finish your your team like this. This is way better than having Acres as your M8 uh, <laughs> for the rest of the season. What about um what about doing something like getting Shea Bolton in your midfield and getting Dangerfield in your forward line? Who's going to get below 500k as well? We assume. Would you rather? That's probably would you rather the seven. I think forwards? I'd rather that. I think I would. I know it sounds crazy, but I feel like Bolton's a pretty safe 100 at this point, yep. and Dangerfield, as as you said earlier, and as I also believe. In a couple of rounds when he gets going, he's got the potential to really get going. Yep. Whereas I feel like Pendlebury's a safe 100 moving forward. But Dangerfield is literally could score between like 80 and 120 to end the season. So yeah. like, somewhere in that range. And there's there's a good, maybe, what is it? it's going to be like 60 to 70K difference there. Um, so if you are shopping it's in the Pendlebury range and you definitely can't reach up to Dangerfield in the midfield, then obviously you got to do what you got to do. And I, I don't think Pendles is, is shocking value by any stretch of the imagination. Um, now Fife returns this week with a break-even of 143. He's 538K. Um, so he's looking to get around the 500K mark as well. What are your thoughts on him? I just wouldn't touch him now with already that injury. They say he's fine, but you never really know. So... Uh, I just would stay away. It's, he's probably going to play forward more, I guess, if he, if they're worried about him or concerned. They're not making finals. It's the same every year with Fifey. He just gets these injuries and misses games, and it's never really worth it. I think a more 
fair comparison to that M8 territory. Pendlebury price 424k, Matt Rowell 425k. Is he somebody, if you're shopping around M8, would you consider going on Rowell instead? I, I. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I know what he scored the last two weeks. I don't know what he scored this week. I'm just looking it up now. 70, I think it was. So not good. Um, basically, he's averaging, yeah, his past two. Very poor. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's still got a break even, 123. No, I'd get Pendlebury before I got Rao um, and, and hope for a turnaround. Rao does have North Melbourne, so if he was ever going to do it. But they're just going to wrap him in cotton wool all season. Um, he could go as low as 300k, I think. Um, not, I mean, he probably doesn't go that low, but he, he could definitely have more 50s and, and 60s for the rest of the season, whereas Pendlebury, um, at the very least, we've seen the last two weeks, we've seen the form turnaround we're not just betting on someone to start the turnaround this week we've already seen the turnaround so it's it's a lot safer jack graham is more expensive than pendlebury isn't that something i mean he's just a better player isn't he (laughs) don't push your luck okay fair enough um i don't have a, a lot else to discuss in regards to the the cheaper options um i think pendlebury is just going to be the standout there in regards yep. to just the options in general, um, if you're shopping for an eighth midfielder, I mean, let, let's just start the discussion with Lockie Neal um, and talk about him. His game on the weekend was um, exceptional. Back to his quote-unquote best football, um, we hope. And for those who got him in, I think probably deserve every pat on the back that they're going to receive because it was a risky pick. You're, you're choosing a guy who has one ton for the entire season um, and that was against Essendon, and it was a big ton. But every other game has been, you know, th- he's only had one other 90-plus. Uh, and then he returned, scored an 84 against Melbourne, and people still traded him in to get a 156 against North Melbourne. Um, so now his break-even's 94. Um, the 84 is going to drop out of his break-even in a week's time, obviously. So um, it's probably... You've, you've got two weeks to get him about at the price that he's at. Otherwise, you're starting to pay out for him a bit more. Yeah, I think he's a really good pick to end the year because we know what he can do. Obviously, we just saw that 156. I wasn't as like in love with his game as probably other people. I mean, if you see 156, you think you, you think big things. Yep. I feel like he won, you know, he really was important when the game was on the line and pretty much got them over the line and you know, was best on ground because of that. 
and he got scaled appropriately. I think he he had a 56-point last quarter. I think it was on like 98 at three-quarter time or something. So he he just went really big and the game was on the line, and he will do that. So, you know, possibly against Geelong this week, the game might be on the line. It's more in those blowouts. I don't think... I'm not sure he'll still be going, you know, those 140s pluses that we saw so often last season. I still think he's enough that he'll outscore comfortably many of the other options. But what about the direct comparison between him and Lions for the rest of the year? I know, I know how I feel about it, which I guess I'll say now because it's pretty obvious. I think I think Lions will is like the safer pick that probably just slow and steady outscores him for the rest of the season. But I don't know if that's a, like a popular opinion or not. Yeah, you, you jumped ahead of me. Lions was the next guy I was going to discuss. Is probably the best, um, uh, uh, definitely the best value player, 600K and over. He's only just 600K, 611K. Um, he dropped another 2K this week, now resetting his break-even all the way back down to 85. So he's only looking to go up from here. Um, he is the slow and steady wins the race player, isn't he? Um, had, an, had, <laughs> yeah. a, had another 35-plus disposals this week um, and, and just keeps on doing exactly this. He's only had one poor game, one sub-ton for the entire season, and I have no idea when that's going to turn around. I don't think it ever will. So um, I think if you want someone who's going to score 100-plus, and not just 100-plus like Tom Mitchell did a couple of... I think it was in his breakout year after leaving Sydney where it was like between 100 and 110 and not Jake Lloyd between 100 and 110 but he's putting out big 140 plus vice captaincy scores um he's a safe captain he's only sub time once this season I do think he's still a better pick than um Lockie Neal and I was choosing between the two and and did decide to go with Lions and don't regret it at all um, it's just the money. It, it kind of, it still is just nagging at the back of my mind. Um, what I do with that extra, I think it was last week it was thirty k approximately. Um, now it's now it's a bit closer to twenty five k. But um, what I would do with that money, and, and it'd probably get me danger for a week early. So if you're making that decision now this week, um, that could be a factor still. I, I just think Lions is the better pick um, without money sort of considered. Yeah, I, th- I think Lions is a better pick than Parrish and Bontempelli when you take money into account. Like, he's, yep. he's 60K cheaper than Parrish, and they probably average the same, and he's a good 80K, literally 80K, cheaper than Bontempelli, and maybe Bontempelli outscores him by just, like, a little bit, but I don't think 80K worth. No. So, no. I, I like him. It's It becomes tougher when you compare, like, I don't know, a, a Parrish or a Miller to... to Neil, I think then you start having more difficult conversations um, because that money is then quite significant and then Neil would come into the the conversation. But there's not... I don't think there's a sub-600K guy that I like more than Neil on the run home. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I'm just having a scroll through. If if Josh Kelly didn't get injured this week and now had a cloud over his head, I think he would be... (laughs) Classic. Yeah, it is classic. Um, I think he would be a strong competitor for that title. Um, without that, I suppose, the only other guy who I think could go close, um, and I don't think it would be particularly close personally, but Tom Mitchell in the last month has actually done a lot for his form. Um, so he's coming off a 142 and 88 against Gold Coast, which I 
no, I'm pumping him up. But then followed that up with a 134 and a 114. That could have been much bigger this week as well um, if he didn't have a slower final quarter. I think... Just disappeared. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I, I think people... Um, those who traded him in round two for Dangerfield, who, who obviously missed those early games with the suspension... Um, I think they were feeling really aggrieved. He only got them two tons in his first five games for them. Since then, he's only had two sub-tons in the next seven games. So I think he's really pulled his form around. And for the rest of the season, I can't exactly see him going ridiculously lower than our expectations. He does have GWS and probably Matt DeBoer this week. So... This might be a better discussion for the week after, but um, he is probably the only one that could be in the ballpark of Neil, and it shouldn't even be close even with that. Tom Mitchell's playing... He's playing a weird role where he's still getting a lot of the ball. Like, he's not in every center bounce. Yeah. He's starting some of the time at half forward, but it's working. <laughs> so I don't expect that to change, and it doesn't seem to be affecting his scoring potential in any way because he still finds his way to the ball all the time but it's just the tackling yeah, look, the tackling is from him yeah. you can see it and I, I said this I think it was two weeks ago for that 134 against Sydney um, it was last week so the tackling I, I hadn't seen him play like he did against Sydney all year even for the 147 the 142 like he had good statistical games but the tackling against Sydney was a massive Massive barometer for me. And if he's doing that every game, and he did it against Essendon again this week, um, that's when he becomes the real piggish 110-115 plus average player, which he, he was looking like on the weekend. So last one I want to throw out. I spoke to you about him after he finished his bye in round 12. And that's Ben Cunnington. He's now put out in round 13 a 129 and round 14. 110. That's five big tons in a row. He's got a five-round average of 125. Round eight against Paisel was a 66, and round seven against Melbourne, a 145. He's actually put together a really, really solid stretch of games. He's not in many teams at all. Is he someone, if you needed a POD, a high-scoring POD, is he someone you could consider for the run home? The the time to buy Cunnington and it was it was super risky to do so was after a he had one forty five against Melbourne, he had sixty six against Collingwood, he then had a hundred and thirty four against Hawthorne and hundred and forty two against Essen. He was five hundred and fourteen K then. That yeah. was the time when you saw three big tons out of four. If you were going to be risky and, and pick a heavy hitter to hopefully carry you a bit on the run home, it was then. Now for seventy K more um, around the price tag that he's at. There, there are just better players all around him. Um, I still think Josh Kelly, if he plays this weekend, is better. Lockie Neal is obviously much, much better. Um, Tom Mitchell, I still think he's a better trading option this week. And even Zach Mera, I know he's been underwhelming pretty much for the entire season for our expectations and for essentially watching him play with our own eyes. Um, but he still has a three-round average of 116 and a season average of 110. Um, that's better than Cunnington. Um, so I, I just I just still think that there are safer, better picks, less injury-prone picks as well, um, which is important because I know he's got his back right, but it, it just things like that could just go at any time, um, which now kind of scares me off Lockie Neal. But um, I, I just think there are far, far less risky options that are going to score. At, at worst, just the exact same as him. It's not like he's, yeah. you know, Lockie Neal. I mean, you may as well get Neil, Lockie right? Lockie Neal has 120 plus <laughs> upside. Yeah. 
Um, Cunnington just doesn't have that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make a, argue, a strong argument when they're the same price as Neil and most people won't have Neil given his long absence. So I feel like that, that goes in there. I mean, Wines, we've spoken about a bit. He's getting heaps of the footy, but he's not quite scoring amazingly in Supercoach. Yeah, 40-something touches Quite late have that great run. Just, like, not amazing. Yeah, it's not, it's not amazing. I do think... He, I don't know if he'll score 600k worth, but he's still a good pick. Like he'll average 105 plus on the run home. I don't doubt that for a second. Yeah. Like as if you need a POD, I guess. I don't know why you would go necessarily he, for him over He Neil probably he probably well, goes but, flat 110 yeah. to flat 115 on the run home. But Ooh, 115. Yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, his his five round average is 126, <laughs> so it's it's not like he's in bad form. Um, he's yeah, he's their best player, their best midfielder at the moment, and Travis Boak is still attracting the attention, still getting the tag. So as long as that yeah. happens, as long as Boak lines up on their best defensive midfielder, um, Ollie should just keep on going one ten to one fifteen for the rest of the season. If that changes, took Miller can, as yeah. well. Sorry, took Miller as well. Six forty k. He has one hundred and eighteen average. I know it's crazy because he he just is pumping out weekly tons and also I kind of just am expecting him not to be the main man like forever yeah but he just is he is just every week he turns up and plays and looks great and I'm like geez at some point he's not going to look great but yeah he's just doing it (laughs) and and Jack's still in by 33% I still think 625 is good for him if you don't have him um, and you do have Lions and you're looking for that eighth guy Um, three round average of 140 he's in something some vein of form at the moment um, and, yep. and break even of 96. So it's not like he's on, on the way down. His last three, ga- three games have been sensational and he hasn't scored below 90 all season. I, I think, again, a lot of people unhappy with trading in Jack Steele, but when you look at his numbers um, and the fact that even someone like Jack McRae can pull out a 97 here or there, um, he's just been unreal all season. Three sub-tons of 91, 91, 99, uh, it, like as dependable as, the, as they come. Can't can't really uh, argue with there. Argue with there yeah. or argue with that? Argue there. Um, all right, so... With that, specifically. <laughs> I guess with there as well. <laughs> with that, do you want to move on to some defender options? I would love to move on to some defender options. It looks like we're getting a couple of questions here, um, specifically about if you had to make one more upgrade in your back line, which is that you know missing defender that you wish you could get that you've now already got six. I know you've got six defenders, so who's the one that got away that you'd love to get in? Two guys got away from me, um, and they're both playing for the same team, Jake Lloyd and Callum Mills. They're both approximately the same price. Um, if I were to bet on either one of them, it would still be Callum Mills, looking at Jake Lloyd's three-round average and five-round average. They're both better than Mills, but Mills just has that upside of... You know he could do anything in that midfield for a game or two, and and just put a hundred points on Lloyd without Lloyd even scoring poorly himself. So um, Mills has that crazy ceiling. Lloyd this year um, just hasn't quite brought that to the table. Uh, I know he's coming off a one forty two a few weeks ago, but um, that's his only score. I mean he he has two scores above one hundred and sixteen, and it's one forty two two weeks ago, and it's a one twenty four against Adelaide in round two. Besides that, and even if he, if he, if I'm getting real petty here, he's got four scores above one ten. 
So four scores above 109 even. So like he just peppers Sounds that. petty. <laughs> no, like he, he's an incredible pick. He, he scores between 95 and 110 essentially every single week. He's Mr. Reliable. He's not going to let you down. Um, but Mills just, he's going to put in the occasional, uh, now that I'm looking at his scores, he hasn't even done that. But um, since the first five weeks of the season, he hasn't scored below 100. Mills is just good. He's got the better role. Um, he's the young, energetic player, whereas Lloyd's just the old fart. Um, get the fun guy. Get Mills. Get get the guy who's probably going to go 110 for the rest of the season, um, whereas Lloyd's probably going to go like 105. It's semantics, but I, I think Mills is just slightly better. I mean, I'm a Lloyd owner, and I agree with you. I think Mills is just a little bit better and at the same price. He's a little bit more of a POD as well, which is a bit of fun. Bit. He's he seems 20% like the best. less owned. That's crazy. Yeah, but he's also the best player probably in, on the line and a POD, which is pretty fun. Like that, yeah, that no, very rarely happens. So I also like But I mean, they're both good picks. And I think the other one, which is, I mean, if you don't have Tom Stewart, or, I mean, I'm assuming in this conversation that everybody has led. That That's kind of an assumption I'm, yeah. I'm making. But Tom Stewart as well just looks fantastic this season. He looks so good. So he's also another one. Um, what about Luke Ryan? Even if I didn't have all of them, I would still pick Mills. Mills is just the best. What about Luke Ryan? He's he's had four tons in a row now um, yep. since since he had those couple of weeks off. Um, and even prior to that, he was peppering between 84 and 100 pretty much. Um, so now four tons in a row, two big tons in a row. Western Bulldogs, he had 133 and against Gold Coast, 128. Um, their own home isn't too bad. They've got Collingwood, Carlton, Hawthorne in the next three, which is juicy for points. But then they go on a bit of a tougher streak with four top eight teams following that. Um, five even. And then and then St. Gilda. So he he's just one that is just like... A very small, minute number below the the really uber uber bracket is that is that harsh or is that fair? He scores really well at home, and he does have five home games. I, I think he could match Lloyd. Yeah, for the rest he could of the probably season. go close. Ten k difference. I do think that Mills is the best option out of all of still, them. Still, yeah, absolutely. And then the next three will come within you know three points per game of each other. And it could be in any order. Um, Where do you put Whitfield on that for anyone who is stalling on trading him out in, sorry? So I still put Mills number one. And then I think Whitfield's just 40k cheaper than all the other options. So he's probably number two just by virtue of his price over them. Because I think they're all going to go within a couple of points of each other on the run home. Yeah, so Whitfield's had three 110 plus scores out of his last four. Um, so he seems he's building. he seems good. Um, yeah, he is building. Had that one lower game against North Melbourne, but that's uh, that's about it. So um, the, the price is going to continue to go up, especially when that lower game goes out. He has Hawthorne this week. Um, yeah, I can see big things coming from Whitfield. It's not even in his final form yet. No, appreciate the freezer reference there. Very good by you. Um, <laughs> essentially, so, where else are we looking in this defensive line? So I think cheaper. So I've got I've got two questions, but um, the first one I'm going to ask is if you're really struggling for money, I'm talking. I'm going to pick a price point at purposefully under Houston. No, yeah, 
I'm going to say 440k. I'll let Houston go in it, but then you have to pick two options. Okay. Um, under that price, I want to know if there's someone that's taking your eye. I guess if you're trying to finish your side and you need to save some money. It's a good question. I know that's why I asked it. One that I would love to answer swiftly, but I'm scrolling through instead. <laughs> um, you can start by saying Houston to buy you time while you think of some other options. Well, Houston is easy. You might as well have just said, pick anyone below Houston. <laughs> like I wanted to try and let you have time to read through some of the options. Well, you haven't taken me no, off on I have it. not. Um, all right. Well, immediately I see Adam Saad here, um, 85 average. I'm sure you have someone actually good in mind. I don't think Saad's amazing. Um, but he's got a five round of 93. Like he's fine. I think he just, he probably just peppers the 80 to 90 mark with the occasional ton in there. Um, he's, he's got a 21 in his season average as well, weighing him down. Um, his last four weeks, he's been better 116, 76, 97, 93. If he's building, then excellent. I suppose it's, it could be worth the punt. Besides that, I, I'm genuinely struggling to to find anyone in a vein of form besides big Trent McKenzie. I was going to say Trent Trent McKenzie. <laughs> We're not saying uh, Trent McKenzie. No, no, no. I, I think we've spoken about Nick Haynes for like three weeks in a row, but he keeps putting out scores that are acceptable for a D6, and he's still at 366k. He's still cheap, um, and he's just put you know okay enough scores. Um, so I think you could still look there, or even Durea. I know we just spoke about him, but it's a defensive four, yeah. defensive and midfielder. So, I mean, I suppose it gives you flexibility if you need to trade out a forward and he's in your defense or a defender and he's in your forward line. You could just do the old switch. You know, what? scratch the question, JB. Bad question. I've got a better question. Okay, good. If, if you're one of the rare cases where you've got Laird in your midfield mm-hmm. and you want to not have Laird in your midfield, you want to get in another midfielder, let's say you, you, you're trading in Lockie Neal because you can. you got the cash. you got the trades. Sure. But your, for, your back line now has these peculiar types. You've got the Ridley. You've got the Short. You've got the Daniel. You've got the May. You've got all four of those bad boys, and you're looking to trade one of them out to Neal in this hypothetical. Which player do you have the least confidence in moving forward and that you'd, you'd sacrifice there? Pistol. I'm not a pessimistic person. I'm going to tell you which players I have the most confidence in going forward. Okay, love it. Okay, so firstly, Jordan Ridley. Um, I think no matter how bad wow. his okay. role gets, I think he's it's yep. fine, um, and he'll still score good enough on the run home, and he'll still get he some He was runs. on kickouts last week. He did get some kickouts back, which is great. It's great. Um, but he's not someone that I'll be looking to trade out, especially with his ceiling. All it takes is a Redmond fortnight off, and all of a sudden he's you know averaging 100 and 10 again so I trust Ridley um, next player that I trust the most would be Stephen May again because of the kickouts his role is, is super 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 ridiculously secure so he he's just going to keep on keeping on um, after now it gets tough <laughs> sorry yeah now it does get tough now it's tough <laughs> um, after that Jaden Shaw I, I just think he gets enough enough exiting possessions that he's seal his floor is actually 75 plus it just so happens that he's having 
more floor games than he is ceiling games in the last month and a half. Um, I don't think that's a reflection of how he is as a player or how he's going to consistently score for the rest of the season. Um, I think, if anything, it's just a bit of a down patch that could just really easily turn around um, and he could go back to 85 to 90 plus average. So um, I still like him. I, I think he's fine to hold on to. Caleb Daniel has the least secure role in the AFL at this stage. Um, I don't even know what role he is playing at the moment. He's getting CBAs. He's he's going forward. He's going on the wing. He's not going in defense, which is probably his best position. Um, but I, I don't have any faith whatsoever in him scoring. Like He, he could honestly have a four-round average of 110 directly into a four-round average of 56, and it wouldn't surprise me. So... Uh, for that reason exactly I would I would be trading him just to get that peace of mind that I don't have to watch his role like a hawk every single week and just to add some extra mayo to your your case Jaden Short has a lovely run of six games at the MCG in the final nine matches which he seems to score pretty well at this season Um, so I agree with your assessment uh, for the reasons you stated Daniel as well is going to mismatch of locations for his remainder of the games there's not a strong majority at Marvel as much as I was hoping there would be just just the four of nine so for me exact same order as you and uh yeah I think you answered that one well JB I want you to quickly touch on one last player before we move into a little bit of rookie discussion um quickly Christian Salem He's 460k now. He had yep. he had two bad games in a row um, coming off of an injury where he missed that, what, that one game. He's now put out a 99 against Collingwood. His season prior to that little niggle um, was unbelievable. He was in the top four defenders essentially the entire season until the niggle. Um, now he's coming back into a little bit of form. His break-even is still 104, so you could probably wait a week but if you're in the market for a defender in any way um does his price speak to you or would you rather just pay the extra 50k for Whitfield for example yeah I'd rather pay it if you can't go up I'd probably also prefer Houston to him I mean this sounds crazy but probably Hearn to him no, as well no 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 Hearn's, no, no, no. Hearn's 8k cheaper no, and score no, no, his no, no. take that back we don't prefer <laughs> his Hearn. scoring this year don't, no 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 no, no. has been exceptional stop we're not we're not, <laughs> we're not talking about Shannon Hearn on this podcast <laughs> you're burn man he's Ruined everyone's burn once. man he someone could have traded him in after the first three round average of like 116 and then he got injured for a six and missed six weeks and then he's been really good again. He's been fine. He's had two tons and two sub-tons, but it doesn't matter. He's going to get injured again. It's it's, it's like his thing now. I mean, Salem got injured too. Yeah, that was like a so. niggle and he's like 24 years old. Hearn's like 180. He's <laughs> 24 years old. Yeah, I, I, just, I don't really... I, I prefer Hearn to Salem, but I think that shows more about how I feel about Salem. Sure. <sighs> I feel like that's harsh, but let's, let's discuss some rookies. Um... Essentially, we got we got Edwards this week. We got Newcomb coming onto his bubble, um, and off the top of my head, is that as far as our rookie woes go this week? Um, no. I mean, there's there's a couple of players. Bra- I mean, Bramble's not um, on the bubble Foley? yet. Yeah, Foley's yeah, the other one. Fo- Foley's good. 
Um, I mean, he's not on the bubble because he's 133k, but he is an option, a defensor, defender option that scored really well um, for West Coast. So he's got to be talked about, I guess, Briggs as well. Um, Newcomb, as you said, I think Newcomb's pretty much guaranteed a game next week because Clarko said something about him being him playing against GWS. Yeah, he's so a, yeah, absolutely guaranteed. I feel like that's that's a, a good one. Bramble as well, if you wanted to go early for some reason. No, you don't. Um, how do you how do you rate how do you rate all these rookies? I think Newcomb's good. Um, I, the twenty four, I don't think, is super reflective of how he played. Um, he was a bit slower into this game than he was last week, but. Um, I think he's overall good. I think he adds something to them um, with his tackling and his pressure around the contest. Uh, and he played quite a bit forward as well. Um, like his role is not perfect, but he's probably getting as many CBAs as you could hope for a rookie. I mean, he's priced at 102K. It's, it's really ridiculous when you think about it. Um, and, and he's just good. Bramble looked super composed, and I think he was good in the preseason as well. Um, he was on 55 at three-quarter time and ended up on 54 just because he's a rookie and the last quarter goes up a notch, and we all know how that goes. But he was on track for a 70-plus this week um, before that as well. So he's excellent, but he's not on the bubble until next week. Next is Luke Edwards, who I think, well, obviously, the, his average speaks for itself. He's got a 79.5 average. Um, he's been incredible as well, but they just have a few midfielders, few too many midfielders returning. I don't know exactly how his role is going to be. Um, they play the Western Bulldogs this week. I still think he's between their 20 and 25th best player, so he could go out with a bad game or two. Um, Western Bulldogs in Sydney is really going to test that, so I'm not super interested in, in Edwards anymore. Oh, that's um, interesting. And then um, I have to search for Foley because he's not... My my parameters that I put up here, um, <laughs> Fair but enough. but Foley looked excellent. He he probably he might he maybe even looked better, um, especially that that most recent game that he played for the eighty two against Richmond. Um, he just obviously it's it's he's um up his job security is up in the air, and you have to pay um far more, which at this stage I think is almost impossible for everyone playing the game at the moment. So for me, I think Edwards is the best option and it's not close in my opinion. Um, one, because the money that he's going to make if you do need the money, it, that's he's got a negative 91 break even. Two, in terms of job security-wise, I'd be surprised right the second before everyone returns from injury. I think he's in like the top 18 players that's on their current like he he's really versatile so he can play off half back half forward wing center whatever you want he can do he's good which is nice for a rookie and even though they've got a lot of returning players i think he just adds a lot to the side you know a bit of that youth you know how when golden and campbell were playing for swans they just like looked better um i think he brings kind of that fountain of youth into that aging west coast side a little bit so i i really like him i do worry that people might you know not need cash anymore and they're just picking for job security in which case maybe someone like Newcomb might be potentially better to see out the rest of the season um just because hawthorne they're a little bit of a revolving door and you they've got a lot of players that are not great um so that might be an option if you're looking solely for cover but I definitely probably would prefer 
Edwards, at least in the short term. He's my number one. And then Newcomb Bramble. It's an interesting one if you already went early on Newcomb and now you're deciding. Is it, do you think, JB, is it worth like tethering Bramble with Newcomb so that like if Newcomb's drops, maybe Bramble comes in? Is that something to take into consideration if you're trying to pick a rookie this week purely based on job security for the rest of the season? Just do what I did and tether Bramble. Newcomb and Brockman. One of them has to play, right? <laughs> there's, there's no way they're all playing VFL in one I week. I mean, right? I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they'll, they'll do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if you've already got Newcomb, um, the thing is, though, you can just get Bramble next week. I think it's I think it's fine. Um, if I needed that 15K getting Bramble this week, I don't think it's as risky as what people think at this stage of the season. Injury, I think, is the only thing that could really curse you there. Um, which would just be super, super unlucky. Um, but chances are you, you're going to have an active player on your bench at all times for the rest of the season if you have those two guys. Yeah, and I think um, the last one we, I guess, could discuss is Durham from Saint uh, Essendon, 102K defender mid, probably a decent enough option if you just need a, a donut that might play later in the season. Um, Durham definitely might get a gig closer to the ends and provides that flexibility with Bianco or Laird, depending on where you... Technically, um, what to put Kieran in. Briggs is actually also on the bubble, but we don't think he'll play this week as well. Well, yeah, I think he'll get games when Mummy rests because I think it's... I mean, it's clear to me, I don't know how clear it is to GWS, where they should play Flynn because he looks so dangerous all the yep. time. So I think Briggs might get another game before the season's out, but he's not... His job security is just not there, so I don't think he's an option to, yeah, not not an option to consider this week. Well, that essentially wraps us up, Pistol. Unless you have any closing arguments. Yeah, well, no Thursday. Um, there's a Thursday game, so maybe we can take us through a couple of captaincy options. Ooh, um, I do like the week. captaincy option. Um, I know you do. I, I don't <laughs> think I don't think either of the Brisbane guys against Geelong. Um, is good enough this been week. Hot form. The captain's I know, just I, by the way. Pardon. You've been really hot form with your captaincy picks in the last like five weeks. I know. True. I've noticed that as well. I've been very, very happy with my captaincy picks. I think it's probably the only thing holding me on to this season in general. Um, I've made mess after mess of them, so I probably <laughs> should be taking your advice and not offering as much on this one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we go this week. Um, all right, so Brisbane Thursday um, against Geelong. I don't enjoy that matchup at all, um, so I'd avoid the Lions and the Neil, just as I didn't enjoy the Western Bulldogs matchup against Geelong the week prior. Geelong are really, really suffocating of the Supercoach pie and um, of opposition, opposition disposals without even really tagging necessarily just the way that they play um really limits oppositions and at the very least um both those guys are probably going to turn up but it just affects their ceiling i guess so i'd rather play it safe and look elsewhere um that takes us to i suppose i was looking at this earlier actually today um and i don't love a lot of options i think clayton oliver against essendon is a really good one um i like him more than max gorn this week um, I don't think anyone get, anyone tags um, at Essendon or this week especially. So um, I think that's fine. I think it's a um, risk-free vice-captaincy option. And then we have some good options on the Sunday. Um, obviously, McRae, Bontempelli play West Coast, which I think is fine. Um, GWS play Hawthorne. If Josh Kelly's fit, that's also fine. I, I, I'm sure people are a bit 
um, aggrieved by this week's um, results that they might not want to go Josh mm-hmm. Kelly. But also Sam Walsh against Adelaide, who don't tag as well, um, I think is fine also. And I'm sure I'm missing someone super good as well, but I can't quite... Not recall. super good, but you could if there's any of those like PEDs that we we're talking about, like the the Wines or the Cunnington, actually have really good fixtures as well. So I guess you could chuck a VC on one of them if you were inclined to do so. I think Whitfield is also an option against Hawthorne, and uh, Laird is someone that I'm interested in this week um, against the Blues. I think uh, there's a good ceiling potential there for Laird. The more that I look at it, I think um, Clayton's probably the far and away best option this week. Um, He might be your better captaincy option. You might want to look at maybe Aaron Hall or Jack Zeeble against Gold Coast as a vice-captain if you want to try and catch a big score there. Um, Or even Shea or Dusty against St. Kilda. Um, We know that Jack Steele didn't score well against Richmond earlier in the season, otherwise I'd say him with his form. But um, yeah, we might have to get a little bit creative this week to try and catch that Clayton Oliver against Essendon because um, I just think that's a that's a good score regardless. I just don't have that many non-playing rookies that I can even loophole. I mean, it's pretty much just Brockman that plays e- after Oliver. Jones? Well, he, he plays oh, at same the same time, time as Oliver, so it, it doesn't really help me. I mean, Brockman, if he's a sub, it's, you can't use him as a loophole anyway, so he's thereabouts. Um, so it's pretty scary. That's why you tether <laughs> Bramble, Newcomb, and Brockman. Because you know you're going to have a donor out of those guys as well. So also, we're hoping that one doesn't play. But yeah, it's uh, it makes the options this week a little bit more iffy. That's for sure. Maybe I will do Lions in the end. I just don't have that many options. Yeah, I mean, what about like a Dusty against Saints. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that. So either of the the two Richmond guys, I think against Saint Kilda is, is good. Um, and either of the two North guys against Gold Coast, I think, is good. If you want to risk it, a yeah. returning Grundy, cool. I think that's also kind of fine as a vice-captaincy. Um, but I think it all leads to the Clayton Oliver captain this week. Yeah, Darcy's a, a good ruckman. Yeah, Darcy's so, fine. Like, it, it's just, it just is what it is. If you don't enjoy any of the other options and then, like, Grundy's return, it's fine as well. Um, good chance you're taking Clayton Oliver as captain this week and crossing your fingers. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. The fixtures going ahead, seeing the order of games. I'm going to have to take a strong look at that, especially if you're in the hunt at the top. Check your loopholes for the rest of the season to see when you can and can't loophole. I would definitely give that as active advice. Good advice, Pistol. Well done. Um, well, the fixtures aren't out yet, I don't think, for the rest of the season, no, so it's not that good of advice, not. but keep it in mind. That's okay. <laughs> I, I respect the hustle. Uh, all right, so that's going to wrap us up again for the week. No Thursday podcast, obviously, because of the Thursday night game um, thank you very much everyone for listening if you want to tune into our Twitters during the week it's the main at Dr. S- Dr. underscore SC you got Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC JB at JB underscore DRSC or Chizo Chizo with a Z at DRS uh, at Chizo with close. a Z underscore DRSC um, we did get a couple of tweets out to people that created Twitter specifically for that so I'm going to keep plugging them thank you very much to the people that tweeted out I think I followed most of you guys back as well um, appreciate everyone's time and we'll talk to you next week have a good week
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 